How great thou art. I'm just feeling led to move right into the message right now. Because that's what it's about. How great thou art. Easter is the ultimate call to worship. That the soul has found the answer to what we are searching for. That longing that we have to say how great thou art. That longing that every human soul feels to have that that anchor for our soul, to have that wind in our sails, to have that object of our affection that says, you are the fountain I drink from. You are the, the fire in my veins. You are the hope of my life. I mean, feel it inside of you. Is there a greater thing in life than, than having a, a, a genuine pleasure an awe, a love for, an affection for beholding beauty and power and greatness and your soul is both bowed down and lifted high at the same time to say, wow, you are awesome. You are worthy. You are great. C.S. Lewis said it like this, that it's praise in our hearts, in our soul, in our minds that completes the joy There's something in every human heart, in every tongue, tribe, and nation that says, I long to worship. I want to worship. I need to worship. I want to place the the affections of my mind, my heart, and my spirit onto something worthy, something that's greater than me. And the soul finds satisfaction in that. And we can worship a lot of different things, but that's just reaffirms the truth that our soul is created for worship and Easter is that ultimate call to worship Easter says here you go soul you have found the solution you're looking for you're longing for you're clawing for sometimes in all the wrong places here it is the perfect life the sacrificial death the miraculous resurrection of Jesus says here you go soul it's the answer to your question that you've been looking for. You're made to worship greatness, beauty, power. Your soul's made to be in awe. Set your affections on something great. And Easter is that call to worship. It says that solution, the answer you've been looking for is in Jesus. So let me pray and we're gonna get right into God's word here. God, we ask, I ask, my heart yearns today, longs today for that greater revelation of who you are, Jesus, empowered by your spirit for all of us. Whether it's we're listening for the first time ever, we would say, you know what? Yes, I need to worship Jesus. That's what my soul is made for. Or whether it's the thousandth time that we've come to a church service already loving Jesus, but there's that deeper encounter and purifying of my affections where my soul says, Jesus, you alone. Holy Spirit, I believe that's what you want to do today. So we ask in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come and 
awaken our hearts to greater revelation of how worthy Jesus is. And that this Easter we would hear that deepening call to worship. And that our, our heart, our mind, our spirit would put Jesus on the throne as the answer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've been thinking about worship a lot recently here. As many of us right now have uh, been forced by the situation of, of life to, to be alone or, or to have many things stripped away that are normal for us, uh, often now the response is uh, we got to find some better ways to spend our time or find some productive ways as we're stuck at home. And so one of those things for me is uh, tried to seize that moment, seize that opportunity and, and decided to uh, rekindle that that old flame of playing the guitar that I had like 20 years ago. And, you know, don't get too excited. You'll never see it up here. That's a relief, actually. It's, I played pitifully then, and I'm playing pitifully now. <laughs> the, the Lord decided that my right hand and my left hand are just not meant to talk to one another. And that's okay, because for me, it's, it's what I love about playing the guitar is getting alone on my bed with God and having just that authentic time of, of communion with God, connection with God. Doesn't matter how I sound playing or singing, it's something authentic with God. And so, been rekindling that. And one of the first songs that uh, came to mind was that old good one, The Heart of Worship. And I find in that uh, oh, the tension, the real tension that every human heart faces in, re in regards to worship. How we want to worship God, we're longing, we're looking to connect with God to set our affections upon God and just release that awe, that wonder, that love for his beauty, power, majesty, goodness, kindness, mercy. And it, and it brings our soul alive in greater measure. It completes our joy, as C.S. Lewis said. But then the tension of it, that sometimes that's hard. And there's actually many things that seem to be distracting us or getting in the way or even blocking us from that soul-satisfying, deep worship. This old song captures it well. Matt Redman penned these lyrics, When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. These simple lyrics speak to this deep tension in the human soul. One is that we, we, oh, we long to connect with God and worship. Across every tongue, tribe, and nation in the world, the human spirit is longing to worship. And all of us have and do worship something or many things. Our soul's made for it. Our soul's made for worship, to put those affections on something worthy. You can see it across the world. We all find something to worship. And yet there's this, this tension in it of, wow, when all stripped away, what do I actually have? When the lyrics are stripped away, when the music fades, 
What do I actually have? And I think that's a, a beautiful metaphor for life because right now a lot of things have been stripped away from a lot of us. We're the status quo of those things that we depend upon or maybe didn't even realize how much we depend on as a, as a source for us, as the fountain we drink from, as an anchor for our soul, as a place of hope and security. A lot of that's just stripped away right now. And so kind of like that song says, we, we're forced to just simply come kind of naked, if you will. If we're trying to come before God and worship, there's that reality of what do I have? What am I bringing? What's in my soul? When things are stripped away, what is revealed is, wow, I may have had a great dependence on those things and I didn't even realize it. Right now, for some of us, we may have had the, the regular satisfaction of being at a job that is stripped away. But maybe what's actually revealed is that the title we carry or the position that we carry or the productivity that we achieved was actually a, a great source of identity for us. And that's a form of worship. Or maybe it's that right now we're just going a little crazy because those, those forms of pleasure that we sought, those things of entertainment and sport and celebrity, they're gone. And what's actually revealed is, man, I sought a great deal of pleasure for my soul in those things. Or maybe what's revealed as there's so much uncertainty about the future, both for our own health, and for the stock market and finances and retirement and what might be revealed right now as those things are called into question or even stripped away is where is my security really at? What's anchoring my soul? And while some of those things just mentioned can be good blessings at the same time, we, we can't take those things with us. Our identity is not gonna be eternal in our job and our security is not gonna be eternal in our, in our checkbook or our health in this life and our, the pleasure that we seek is not gonna be eternal in fleeting things of entertainment. And so there's a, a stripping that the whole world has, has really faced right now. And why it's uncomfortable on multiple levels, but especially as you, you get into that place of, okay, well, I wanna worship. My soul is longing to worship, longing to be satisfied, to, to have that security, that pleasure, those affections to be placed upon worship, something to worship. And what makes it really challenging is when those things are stripped away, what gets revealed is, wow, I may have had a dependence on those things that's at the level of I'm actually worshiping those I went to those, I go to those as those sources of, of affection and joy and security and pleasure and identity. That's worship. And it just speaks to what the Bible talks about all over the place. As the reality of the human heart is that though we're made for worship, we're made for God, so many things can get in the way so that that pure worship of God gets blocked and seems impossible. 
The book of Hebrews speaks of it like this, and there's lots of different places, but I happen to be reading through the book of Hebrews right now, and so the Bible's awesome, and it just speaks of God's truths over and over, and so this is the most recent one I've read. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, there's just this very interesting phrase. When it talks about how in the context of the passage, the old covenant and the new covenant, and this new covenant in Jesus is made to set us free to worship God in freedom. But it speaks about this human reality that across nations and time periods and cultures, there, there's been a problem that we can all feel. Hebrews chapter 9, 9 to 10 says it like this. According to this arrangement, it's talking about again the old covenant, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. I don't ever remember reading that verse before and it just jumped out. The gifts and offerings cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. That's a powerful, deep human reality. This is again, this is talking about what the writer of Hebrews calls the, the weakness of the old covenant, why we need Jesus to come, why we need that Savior to make things right. This is because even though the, the offerings, the gifts were what Hebrews chapter 8 calls a, a copy and a shadow of heavenly things, they represent those truths, those symbols of those deep spiritual truths that are universal. They don't yet provide the solution. And so the deep truth that is revealed here is that no matter what we do, no matter how many offerings are made or how many sacrifices are made, no, no, no matter, how many, matter how many gifts are given, in other words, no matter what we do on our part, apart from Christ, no matter what we do, it cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. And I challenge you to test that out in your own life, in your own heart, on your own strength. Can you get before God in authentic worship and feel and know that you're deeply connected to God? There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no separation between you and God. It's just pure connection. The Bible says that's not possible. There is a, a human condition where nothing on our own strength, it cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. That we will, if we're honest, sense that no matter how long, much we strive or work or seech, search or seek, that we, in the deepest part of our being, will know that our conscience isn't clean before God and there is somehow a real and, and deep and powerful separation we're not connected to God like we're made to be. And that reality was symbolized in the, in the visual picture of the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the holy place in that outer sanctuary in the, in the temple. It was meant to be that the, the Holy of Holies, if you're not familiar in the temple that God called the people to build, that was the place of God's 
pure presence. Kind of that, that unfiltered reality of connection with a holy God. And in a mighty symbol, God says there has to be a curtain. There has to be a separation between me and humanity. Because they have lost their way. They have put many other things on the throne of their heart. Their affections are not just for me. They have soiled themselves. In their heart, mind, and spirit, they have separated themselves from me and sought many other aspects of worship. And so God says this curtain represents that though I want to be with them, there is a big separation right now. And that symbol, I ask you to test in your own heart. Is that a real thing? That is a a, a copy and a shadow, a type of the spiritual reality that God wants us to wrestle with. That on our own strength, our conscience is not clear before God. That though we may long to worship, we can feel deep inside of us. I'm not connected. It's not working. Something's wrong. I, I want to know God. I want to be with God. I want to worship God. But there is a separation here. That's just real. Maybe I don't understand it completely, but I can feel it's real. I'm not connected with God like I'm created to. That is the deep human problem. But I want to move quickly to two things that we celebrate on Easter. Two aspects of the best news ever, that Easter is a call to worship in two very particular ways. Hopefully you guys are all resonating here that there's something deep inside of you that says, I need to worship. And Easter today, we're gonna focus on just two simple ways where Easter not only is that call to worship, but it's a, a, a great celebration of two aspects where that worship is made possible. So the first one here is that today on Easter and every day forward, because every day is Easter for a follower of Christ, the risen Jesus purifies our worship. That problem of, of the conscience that, that just isn't clean and can't be cleaned and no matter how much we do on our part to try to work for it and make it happen and feel good enough, we deep down can feel, no, it just, it's not working. Our conscience isn't clean before God. There's, there's a deep separation from there. I'm not connected to God like I'm made to. And Easter is that triumphal declaration that Jesus purifies our conscience. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. It says, when Christ appeared as the high priest of good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent or temple, 
he entered once and for all into the holy place. So let's just track with that for a moment here. When Christ appeared, so that first covenant was bringing us up to that place where we would have that powerful symbol of what we're made for. We're made to worship. We're made to go into that holy of holies and commune with the very presence of God. That's the human reality. Yet we're separated. And as Hebrews 9 actually says this incredible phrase that all of those things were there until the time of reformation. Like God was preparing us for that full revelation of this is my heart. This is how you can be connected to me now and forever. It's a time of reformation. It's coming. Jesus called it the new covenant. Hebrews picks up that same language and says, this is the new covenant in Jesus' blood. So he says, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through a greater and more perfect tent, he entered once and for all into the holy place. So that's that picture right there, that holy place, that holy of holies where God's presence dwells and we've been separated from. Jesus took on that symbol, that picture of the high priest who goes into the holy of holies and what's different now than it had ever been is it says, and once for all. And very famously we know that it says that on Good Friday as Jesus breathed his last breath, the veil, the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, symbolizing this very reality, reality that Jesus' perfect life had made it possible for him to be that high priest who would also be the sacrificial lamb, represent us, carry all our sin, go into the very holy place. And at his last breath, the veil was torn. In other words, that sacrifice, tetelestai, he, he said on the cross, it's finished. He has made once and for all that sacrifice that now tears the veil and the presence of God is unleashed on the world and available. That worship-filled connection with God that we long for is now possible once for all, it says. And going on in Hebrews, it says, so how much more will the blood of Christ, verse 14 of chapter 9, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to purify our conscience from dead works in order to worship the living God. So if you today identify with that sense, whether you would say and know that you are a Christian or whether this is the first time even really deeply pondering these things, that you need your conscience to be purified. You know you're made to worship, but there's that problem that just carries with you the sin, the shame, the guilt. I know I'm, I'm separated somehow. I know I'm made to connect with God on a deeper level. This is the solution. The high priest passed through the heavens. The great high priest passed through the heavens, offered himself without blemish before God to purify 
our conscience to worship the living God. What a beautiful passage. Saying Easter is about worship. That the goal of Easter is worship. To fulfill the, the goal, the longing, the created purpose in our hearts to worship God. To have a deep and pure and unfettered connection with God. To wash away all of the sin and imperfections and doubts and stuff that we bring to God. Easter is the mighty celebration that we can come and worship God with a clear conscience because of Jesus. Not because we're perfect now, but because he was perfect once for all. So now we walk into the Holy of Holies clothed in his perfection through faith in him. And so even if you've had a bad day, you can walk into the Holy of Holies clothed in the perfection of God and know you are forgiven. There's nothing separating you and God. You can worship. You can be with God. That's God's heart at Easter. That's the great lengths that God went to in sending his son into the world, as Ryan spoke of, that while we were still sinners, Romans 5 says these incredible things, while we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, while we were in fact enemies of God. I mean, you can take yourself and think of yourself in your worst day, when you're just, man, I'm not proud of myself today. In fact, I might be carrying a lot of shame and a guilt. I do not like who I am right now. Wow, I have caused problems for myself and others. I'm certainly not worthy to be with God. You can take yourself on your worst day, ungodly, sinners, enemies of God. You may even have said in the past, I don't like God. I don't want to be with God. I don't believe in God. I don't need God. We've all said that in various ways. In that very moment, that's when God loved you. That's when Jesus went to the cross. Jesus had all of that in mind on the cross. That's what he was doing there. It wasn't him dying for perfect people. Romans 5, we need to soak in that truth. It's while we were ungodly, while we were sinners, while we had chosen to be enemies of God, you couldn't wipe the love out of Christ's heart. While all of those things were real, he demonstrated his love for us and chose the cross to wipe away and all of that unclean conscience that we don't have to walk through life with that anymore. Not because we're perfect, but because he was perfect once for all. And now it says, so you can worship God with a pure conscience. So church, I encourage you, hold on to these truths. That's your reality every day. Because of what Jesus did on Easter, you are set free to worship God with a pure conscience every day. So when you get up in the morning, your conscience should be clear because of what Jesus has done. And if it's not clear, then root yourself in greater measure in what Jesus has already done, as it says, once for all. You don't need to make any sacrifices today to make it right with God. Jesus made it once 
for all so you could have a pure conscience. So there is the reality that sometimes we need to, as Jesus said, remember that. That's the Lord's Supper. Remember it, receive it, walk in it, live in it, receive that forgiveness afresh. It's his body, it's his blood spilt for us that is the new covenant. But you're not earning your way to God. You're just stepping into, reminding your heart, mind, and soul of the reality once for all so you can wake up with a pure conscience and worship God. Be with God. Connect with God. Walk with God. And that's the second and last point we'll look at today is that Easter is that ultimate call to worship because the risen Jesus empowers us to true worship as simply a way of life. It's not simply singing to God, although that's great. Worship is a way of life. It's where Jesus is on the throne of our heart. He's the song that we sing. He's that, that focal point of our awe, of our affections, of our love, of our passion. As some of those songs said earlier, he's the one who's the fountain we drink from. He's the anchor in our heart. He's the wind in our sails, the fire in our veins. How great thou art. And we can live out those affections all day long. Let's go to Hebrews 8, where it speaks specifically of this so this passage, again, is all about this new covenant in Jesus, how he's making it possible for us to worship. And just before this, this passage I'm talking about happens, there's, there's a bigger picture window into what God is doing in this new covenant that results in worship. And ultimately, what is revealed is that God's desire, and you could say it's worship, God's desire in the new covenant is simply that you can have a relationship of knowing God every day. That is worship. Let's check it out in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. The writer quotes this prophetic passage from Jeremiah 31. The new covenant that is on God's heart. This is everything in God's plan of redemption that God has been working towards, as the Apostle Paul calls it. This is the mystery of the ages that is revealed now in the Christ. This is God's plan, his heart, his desire for you. Chapter 8, verse 10. This is the covenant, the new covenant, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. They shall not teach one his neighbor and, and one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That's what we've been talking about. Wow. In Christ, God doesn't even remember your sins. This is the new covenant I'm speaking of, God says. So much there, and we'll just keep it brief. 
The new covenant in Christ, in a nutshell, right here from this passage, is quite simply all about knowing God from the least to the greatest. That's again a reference to all these various barriers that we might feel that have been there before. Nothing's going to hold us back from the least to the greatest. The veil is torn for all. doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or what the world might say about you from the least to the greatest. All of those barriers are gone in Christ. You can now know God. And don't even let your sins come into thought because God doesn't even remember them anymore in Christ. God's desire is that you would just live a life now welling up into eternity that is simply, mainly focused on knowing God. That is your daily worship, knowing God. And the good news here is this passage says God, by his spirit, is going to empower you to do that. Again, it's not going to come down to you and you on your own strength. Listen to this new covenant. It says... I will put my laws into their minds, write them on their hearts. That's saying God's spirit is going to empower you in your heart and your mind. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you. The supernatural spirit of God is going to come upon you, enable you to overcome the weaknesses of your own flesh so that every day, you can be walking with God in increasing measure. That is the heart of God. That is the heart of Easter. That is the call to worship at Easter is to believe that God not only is making a way, has made a way to purify our conscience so we can come into the Holy of Holies. And God doesn't even remember our sin. We can be right with God. We can bask in that reality with a pure conscience to worship. That we stand before God with, at peace with God. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit is now in you, upon you, around you, swirling with this joyful, happy power from heaven to empower you to live connected to God. And Romans 8 says, so live by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Choose, yes, Holy Spirit. Write God's heart on my heart, my mind. I can walk with God every day. If you believe that's too good to be true, let's, let's look at this one little verse. Now, two, real quick. Two, I can't help myself. They're so good. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, God's divine power in Christ has given you everything you need for a godly life through our knowing of him, through our knowledge of him and his glory and his goodness. That's a promise to hold on to, church. That God has not left you as orphans. He hasn't left you at, okay, now you're in the Holy of Holies and you're connected and it's possible, but now you got to do it on your own strength. No, his divine power wants to and will be and is with you for everything you need for Jesus to be that object of affection on the throne of your heart and for all those other things that vie to be on the throne of your heart. God has given you everything you need to just remove Remove. It's a journey. It's a process. It's living every day, walking with God with the goal to know him more. 
That's what Jesus said eternity is about. John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God. All of that is now. Starting. Starting now. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to make sure you know I'm with you every day to empower this to happen. So grab hold of it. There's still a responsibility on your part to say yes. As Revelation 3 says, it's Jesus knocks at the door every day. Open. Open the door. That's it. Yes, Holy Spirit, empower me today. I can't do it on my own. God's given you everything you need for a life of godliness. So you say no to every lie that's in your head that says, I don't have what it takes. I've been dependent too long on this for a source of pleasure. I've been dependent too long on this for my source of security. I've been dependent for too long on this as my source of identity. Those are all lies that in Christ, first of all, they're wiped away. God doesn't even remember them. And now in the Holy Spirit, God has given you everything you need to conquer those things. Everything you need for a life of godliness. Everything you, lead, everything you need so that genuinely, increasingly, your testimony of your life would be, I walk with God every day. I am increasing in knowing God. And there is a worship that's rising up in my soul that is the greatest pleasure I know. So I can increasingly get close to declaring like Psalm 1611 says, in your pleasure, or excuse me, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Or Psalm 63 says, your love is better than life. And in comparison, this world is a dry and weary land. Or as Paul says in Philippians 3.8, everything is rubbish compared to just the greatness of knowing Jesus. Those are all normal human people that have got the spirit of God connecting them. And let's close on this meditation. Ryan, if you would come on up, bud. We're going to close with a song that's a heart's cry that just says, God, I want and need your Holy Spirit to be that power source that keeps me connected to you all the days of my life. Romans 8, 11 says it like this. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That is the hope of our future. That is the hope of being connected to Jesus on a daily basis that I don't have to wait till I die to worship God. I don't have to wait till I die to be deeply connected to God. In fact, I don't have to wait till I die to walk with God every day and be able to look back at my life and see that in increasing measure, my soul is aflame with worship. My soul is satisfied in worship to God. How is that possible? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, is in you. That's our Easter declaration, that we have the spirit of resurrection in our veins. I want to ask us right now just to take a holy moment of prayer with God. 
Ryan's going to play a song that's just got this verse, Romans 8, 11, just at its core, a simple meditation of the absolutely miraculous reality that in Christ, and now that he sent his spirit, I mean, come on, Christians, we have the greatest promises in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in, upon, around us so that we can live a life of victory, so that we can live a life of worship. I want to ask us on this Easter day just to take a holy moment with God right now. Just between you and God. Have, do your business. Do business with God. Maybe close your eyes if it helps. Just stand before the throne and recognize it's the throne of grace in Christ. Hebrews talks about that so beautifully in chapter 4. Our high priest passed through the heavens and did his work once for all, going into the holy of holies, sacrificing himself on our behalf, his perfection to make us perfect. And now he sits on the throne of grace and he says, come to me for mercy and help. Those are essentially the two things we're talking about today. Mercy. Have your conscience washed clean. Maybe the fir for the first time or maybe it's the thousandth time. Let the sacrifice of Christ wash your conscience clean before God. And then help. The Holy Spirit is there to empower you to live connected to God each day. Knowing God is your soul's design and desire. Jesus is making all of that possible on Easter. I want to ask you to do your business with God right now. Forget about anybody else in the room. Have a holy moment between you and God and let the Holy Spirit speak afresh. What is he wanting to say to you today through his word? What is he making stand out? What do you need to grab onto today? What needs to renew and transform and refresh your mind and your spirit today about God and you and your relationship with God? Maybe for some of you, it's the first time and you're saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. The risen Lord Jesus is my solution. I need that Savior to bring me that clear conscience before God. If so, talk to God about that. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Put your trust in Him as the one who can make you right with God. The one who can take away your sin. The one who can cleanse your conscience and connect you to God. For others, it's just going to be a, wow, help me see in greater measure, God, how real it is that your Holy Spirit is in me. Therefore, the spirit of resurrection is flowing through my veins, and I have everything I need for a life of godliness. Help me live into that more. Whatever it may be, church, just take a genuine, prayerful moment between you and God. Listen to these words. Let it soak in you. Let the Holy Spirit speak and ask him, God, speak to me right now. What do you want to say?
dancing